Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number two with our guest, Calvin Wayman. On today's episode... If I was pushed towards anything, yeah, probably construction. But from an early age, there was definitely like just given ideas like you should do construction that I kind of resisted and was always like questioning like, does that make sense? Does that make logical sense? Because I couldn't just accept it just because... And a lot of my religion was that way, just accept it because somebody said so or that it was a story and I was kind of always pushing up against it. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. On each episode, my mission is to bring you insightful, fascinating, and light bulb moments that give you the chills, that excite you, and move you forward on your journey. And wow, my guest today is Calvin Wayman. You know, he's, he's just one of those guys that you feel like you just want to hang out with. And you may not even be sure why, but whether you find him online via social media or via his website, his incredible YouTube channel, or his book, you immediately feel a connection to this normal, regular guy. And that's what's so refreshing about Calvin. He is normal and he is regular by his own admission, but he's also so wildly engaging, fascinating, and successful. He's arrived at his happy place from a very unconventional past, and if you think that your upbringing, your family life, or your childhood is any excuse for not achieving your goals or for not finding yourself on the exact path that you deep down inside so desperately want to be on, Just wait until you hear how Calvin grew up. The point is always that you today, right now, have full control of your life. You can, at any moment, make a different choice, no matter how big or how small, to adjust the direction of your life or the outcome of any situation. And personally, it took me decades to believe that fact or to embrace that idea and put it into daily practice. 
I hope hearing Calvin's story and his journey helps you to uncover more of the extraordinary that is currently living inside you. Here we go. And here we are. It's the moment we've been waiting for, or I've been waiting for. Perhaps you've been waiting for it too. It is here. Without further ado, I'm not going to waste any time. Time is precious. You know that. I know that. Help me introduce and welcome our guest today. It's the Calvin Wayman. What's going on, (laughs) Calvin? Brother, so good to be here. Thank you for having me come on the show. Absolute pleasure. So... Clearly, you have a, a resume of credentials. We know that. That's a given. But what do they say? That a resume a man does not make or something like that. So today, I want to pull back the curtain. And I want to, as you know, get to know the person behind the credits. Because I know you have a very, very extraordinary journey. And I do want to start with actually one of your credits, your podcast, yes. I've, I've got to ask with, with no sense of irony, why the name Curious? <laughs> uh, it's actually a, little, a really interesting story. Uh, it came from me going to Costa Rica and taking ayahuasca. And uh, like it, you probably did not expect to go there on an entrepreneurial, like for an entrepreneurial story, but Curious is something that I, when I was pulling back layers in myself, I was trying to discover like who Calvin is outside of my upbringing, um, outside of my religion, outside of society. What is, what are some pieces at my core? And curious was one of those things. Like I, I, I had like this old memory of me being a little kid, like laying on my belly, looking at ants. And there was nobody that told me to do that. There was no society. There was no uh, parents. There was no religion. Like The thing that made me laying on my belly just looking at ants and getting close was because I was at my core curious. And so that's where the show came from. And what it's designed to do is literally just anything that I am curious about at that time and that moment that's what the show is. Nothing scripted. And so I just uh, talk about things that make me curious. I, I love that you said, at my core, I'm curious. A couple of questions. A, do you think that every human at their core is curious? And B, do you think that that is a, an honorable trait for an entrepreneur to have? I don't know if it's... I think everybody's creative at their core. I don't know if they're, if, if everybody necessarily is like totally curious on how stuff works. Mate, like, but to answer your second question, like, if it's an honorable trade for entrepreneurship, yes, because you're wanting to figure out how things work and to make things go a certain way. I think different things drive different people, and for others, it might be just like. Some are scientists, some are, some are artistic, like more concrete, more abstract. And yeah, for me, uh, it's, it's just wanting to know how things work and that aids in entrepreneurship in the fact that you're like, okay, why does somebody have it this way? Why does business work that way? And what can I do to figure it out? You kind of need figuring it out bug if you're going to be an entrepreneur because it's not just cut and dry. 
So true, the figuring it out bug. Isn't that what it's all about? And I'm intrigued and really curious about this topic because I remember as a kid, I was the kid that, like you said, nobody nobody told you what to do or what to think or you know how to express that. And I was the kid that always asked a lot of questions. And for whatever reason, it wasn't well accepted. People didn't like being asked questions or having me ask them questions so it was always shot down they were always like ah why are you asking oh you're asking too many questions yes too many questions kid i don't know I, I don't know who i was hanging out with but that's the recollection i have of it same here man like i remember the exact same thing i don't know if you ever got the you talk too much and it's actually kind of fun now that we're on a podcast yes in some ways our livelihood is based on it so yeah it's super interesting and yeah so curiosity is definitely a good thing to have uh for anyone that's that's entrepreneurial. So maybe it's not for maybe it's not a core trait for anyone, but it's certainly you would I'm sure you'd find it somewhere in like the, an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs or a Gary Vaynerchuk, the entrepreneurs that we know. Mm. I want to before we double back into early early childhood and the beginning of your journey, so to speak. Um, one of your other credits, your book or correction, your Amazon best-selling book, Fish, there it is, Fish Out of Water. I read it. I read it cover to cover. A little, um, a little, uh, said a little differently. I didn't read it. I listened to it. Of course, I'm talking about the audio version. I mean, Audible, really, I'm sure you agree, the best invention of the 21st century. Um, so I listened to it. It was phenomenal. I agree with awesome. the critics. Um, and I know that that book was was sort of part of your journey because if I'm not mistaken, you you visioned that book when you were still at a place of fear. Is that correct? Totally. And as a matter of fact, I put it. So you hear this woo woo stuff around vision boards and I haven't hit everything on a vision board. I'll say that. But my book was something that. Well, I always knew I wanted to write one. I just thought it was going to be someday when my my hair was either white or completely fallen out or like when I had when I like someday when I was ready then I would have a book but then I ended up meeting this guy who had a lot of things that I was aspiring to have he had a six figure plus business at the time he was being interviewed by some of my mentors he was speaking on stage with like Gary Vaynerchuk and Tony Robbins and he had several books and this is the punchline on like guess how old he was like he was a guy by the name of Caleb Maddox and he's 14 at least at the time he was 14 14 year old young hustler entrepreneur and so it was like cold water splashed in my face and it made me realize holy crap I've just been holding myself back that it's someday like that was just like an aha that I had no more excuse. There was there was no need to have a someday. If I was going to do it someday, why not just do it now? So that's when I made the real intention, and I like put it up on my vision board. I didn't know exactly what the subtitle would be. I didn't know exactly how the content was going to unfold, but I knew it was going to be called Fish Out of Water because that's exactly what I felt like. And so, yeah, that's how it started. 
Now, connect the dots, because for those who don't yet know about the book or the details of the book, um, I was a fish out of water in one context much of my life as a child, as a young adult, in the regard of I just felt isolated, I felt disconnected, I felt misunderstood. But that's not quite the fish out of water we're talking about here, right? Yeah, so the fish the best way to explain the book is if people are like, What's what's this in one sentence? It's a book on how to go from awkward to awesome. And the reason I bring it up fish out of water is it's a phase in growth, in goal setting, whatever you want to call it, in achievement that's not talked about. And if you're an entrepreneur, chances are you're starting from somewhere and going from somewhere. Yet you don't usually most people don't just wake up with their business the way that they wanted it or even their body, their finances, exactly where they wanted it. So to go from here to there, what do, you, what do you do? And there's so many books on how to get from here to there, but I feel like there's, there's like none that focus on this area, what I call the fish out of water phase. And it's when you go after something that you've never done before, feels weird. It feels awkward. You feel out of your element. You feel like a fish out of water. And you are. And the, the tragedy is since that's not talked about, people it, it knocks people off their kilter. Like it makes it, it takes them off guard. So they feel so weird and awkward. And the tragedy is when a lot of people think, ah, there must be something wrong with me. Or this may not be the right path I should be taking. And so they end up reverting back to what I call their old fishbowl of mediocrity. And so what the book is to kind of shed light on is, no, this is normal. If you feel this, awesome. Like you're going to feel this weird, awkward stage. When you're going after something bigger, you're going to feel out of your element. You're going to feel like a fraud in some sense, or at least or at least like that you're an imposter walk coming in on the scene. Great. And then here are the tools that you can use to break through that phase, to get through the other side and become what I call a shark. You know what I find fascinating is that you you pointed out because um, the the trap is to think that oh once you hit a certain level of quote unquote success which is a whole other uh, side conversation but you 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 want to believe that there are so many who are successful in your eyes who grow and grow and grow. And they, they don't feel like a fish out of water, but it's true that at every new phase, they, no matter how successful they are, no matter how much money they are making, there is still a fish out of water level. Totally. Everybody's got one. And it's important to know because if you go hit one and you're comparing yourself to somebody else or something, uh, you might think that you're not cut out for it and stuff like that, but they felt it too. They had it too. They're just past that point and it's their normal now and you're making it your new normal. I, I love about you, Calvin, that you refer to yourself as a normal, regular dude. And the more yeah. I got to know you and to watch you and to see you, truth. I mean, you are yes. a normal, regular dude who's just doing his thing. And it's so refreshing. I love that. Let's go back to the normal dude, Calvin, as a child. What was it okay. like? Did you grow up as in, in, a, in a typical, typical family? <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I actually just barely made a Facebook post uh, to see how many people would get it. And I know we chatted briefly about this, so you have a little bit of a little bit of context, so you might get the joke. 
But I did a Facebook post that said, um, I come from a small town of five adults and a few kids, or a few dozen kids. And I was like, most people won't get that. So I come from a small town. So what's that small town? That small town of five adults and a few dozen kids. That was called the Wayman residence. That was my house. So some might say that I grew up like my own house was like a small town. So I actually grew up in a polygamous family. Uh, I have four moms, um, a birth mom, obviously. And then my dad had three other wives in addition to that. And we grew up in the exact same house um, in Salt Lake City, Utah. So that's something that a ton of people haven't made a connection with, but uh, it's something, especially this year, that I'm starting to come out with more because it definitely shaped me in, in a lot of ways. And while, I, uh, while I'm no longer with that religion as of the end of last year, actually, it's really fresh um, as another phase of stepping out and doing something that's awkward. Uh, but I love my upbringing. Uh, in a lot of ways because it was some things were challenging and stuff and definitely non-traditional from what everybody else might expect but I think it's what put me on the path to be the entrepreneur I am right now and so yeah I wouldn't change it so you grew up like you said in a polygamous household uh, uh, four moms one dad uh, multiple siblings of sorts was there ever a time that it had to be I don't know explained to you what this is and if that's the norm or not the norm how did that go it was totally just the norm like I was it was just it was just so like obvious that this is just the normal way because everybody I knew was also polygamous and I never went to public school. So I was homeschooled. So my, I went to school with like my brothers and sisters or if I went and hung out with somebody at like a park or at a community event and the community event was typically just our church. Like not everybody had more than one wife but everybody in the religion, like it was pretty clear that they were either going to be a polygamist someday or like most people were. My grandfather was a polygamist. He had a ton of wives. My great-grandfather, like, and we've been polygamous for hundreds of years. My family's been polygamous hundreds of years since the 1800s. And so it was 100% just my normal. And it actually, and it's been a, it's been an interesting transition, actually, because it's been like a long time coming, just kind of unraveling and thinking, being able to step back and be like, huh. Maybe that that's not my normal. Maybe that's maybe we're actually a minority. Maybe 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 this is actually yeah, just not normal. I don't, I, I'm trying to think of a better word to say like maybe we're the weird ones, or something like that. But it's definitely it was definitely a transition out of that, uh, and it didn't come till way later till I went to college uh, in my early twenties. And I want to get into that transition, but still inching our way forward. So you lived within uh, that normal uh, framework. How was how was the vibe? Was it caring, nurturing, loving, like any other yes. caring household? It was caring, loving, and nurturing with an old school type of with an old school type of reprimand, reprimanding type of thing. Like my dad ruled with a heavy hand sometimes, and things like that. Like like just 
think of however you would have reprimanded like 100 years ago or 150 years ago. That's kind of how my dad was. But um, very – so loving and also a great environment to learn how to work and to figure stuff out on your own because we lived on a little farm. So I milked cows every morning. I uh, helped in the garden with my brothers. We did construction um, and things like that. So so learned a lot of lessons around to get what you want. You have to go through like a process to get what you want. You can't just wake up in the fall and think you're going to have all the corn and harvest everything. You have to early in the spring like plant and cultivate, get up and weed your section and keep it watered, take care of it throughout the seasons. And then at the end, voila, you can be proud of like, look what I made. So a lot of that was really, really, really cool. And on top of that, uh, yeah, since my family was super conservative and in the fact they didn't want Gentiles, as, as we called them growing up, people on the outside world, we didn't want to be influenced by the Gentiles, so that's why we were homeschooled. My younger siblings actually ended up going to public school uh, a lot after I had left the house. The last batch had have, have gone to public school. But I'm great – like there's parts of me that that's like – Obviously, it would have been really cool to get different perspectives really early on. Um, but since having now had perspectives as an adult and experiencing them through, through college, there's parts of me that is is grateful in the way that it happened in that since I was homeschooled, I had to figure stuff out and go to the library and like read and like figure out algebra myself or uh, find out how what calculus was and like figure out how to do calculus and things like that like I was and I was a great student like this is something I actually haven't talked about enough because and I don't know if I don't talk about it because uh, there's kind of the kind of the narrative is entrepreneurs are shitty at school I wasn't I was freaking great and I think it was partly because of that like and I was probably mostly studying what I was what I was interested in but I crushed it. I, I graduated high school when I was 16. Like, because I was homeschooled, I got to do it at my pace and I got to get stuff like over, like just fill, do stuff out over the internet and uh, getting books in the mail. And in college, I crushed it um, with great grades. I think I had like a 3.8 GPA or something like that when I graduated. Um, <laughs> So that the, that part of my growing up with me, with if if it's ever going to get figured out, it's I'm going to figure it out. That there wasn't just this system that is like the school system that's cookie cutter, like just do it this way and go from class to class. It wasn't that. And especially as I got older and started doing more of the high school curriculum stuff, if I didn't put my foot forward to do it, it didn't happen. I couldn't just not feel like it and go to school but still go through the day and take it off for the day. I, I didn't sit down and read and take the tests. It wasn't going to happen. And I'm really grateful for that experience. Amazing. So it sounds like an early age work ethic, to say yeah. the least, was instilled. Uh, you obviously embraced your own learning and education, which became a big win. Um, oh. Was there anything that you were pushed to do or want to be when you grew up? Um, <clears throat> not said per se, but it was definitely, and this is where I, 
was basically an outlier in my own family because I always felt different from any single person there. Like one of the things that the it, it was kind of went backwards. It, 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 I guess you could say it backfired if if my parents had the idea that they wanted to like control what I thought because because I was training how to think and do things myself. I was definitely a free thinker in my family, and the thing that they probably would have wanted me to be or what has continued is st continuing in construction. Like so many people in my family are still in construction and working with your hands. I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to work with my brain and work with my creativity, which again is just was was not even really understood like the idea of doing something that you can like make a career out of like expressing yourself whether that's through writing or having a book like even when I came out with my book it was so crazy like my dad not not my dad as much but several of my uncles were so confused why would you write a book what like what's like how how does that do anything like it's just super interesting so if I was pushed towards anything yeah probably construction but from an early age, there was definitely like just given ideas like you should do construction that I kind of resisted and was always like questioning like does that make sense? Does that make logical sense? Because I couldn't just accept it just because and a lot of my religion was that way. Just accept it because somebody said so or that it was a story and I was kind of always pushing up against it. You were always, it seems like, on the path to do, I don't know, different than what you grew up in then. Yeah, and it's interesting looking back because you wouldn't know it. Like, like I wouldn't have known it then. Um, but yeah, looking at it and how hindsight twenty twenty, totally. Uh, I remember, like, I remember getting to the point where I was just done with like even doing physical labor, and it wasn't because I was lazy. I just didn't like it, and I was like, I don't want to be fifty five and still be doing it, and so I would. I then started rebelling in some ways and trying to get out of work um, in my teens and stuff and trying to figure out other ways to do other things and take and then I ended up taking other jobs that got me out of it. Uh, yeah, I was definitely pushing up. What was the transition lead us up to it where you remember in your life in your element there and you started to realize there's more or a different way of living it started with me wanting to be able to own my own life it started with me being with me wanting having this burning desire that i wanted to say i fucking believe this or believe a certain way because i said it not because of my dad not because of my grandfather not because of anybody in my religion I want to say I believe this because I believe this and here was the scary part with all the things I believed I couldn't rationalize it in my own head that I believed it because I said it like I was wondering well do I really believe that or am I just saying that because of my parents and so there was a point late in my late teens after graduating high school and everything where I didn't know why I, what was governing, governing, governing my life at all. I couldn't, I could not in good conscience say I'm doing it because I want to. I was like, it's probably because of my parents. Like, for example, we were very much, uh, very, very conservative family and even dating. Like we never, you don't date in my religion. You don't, uh, you don't get a girlfriend. You don't do any of that stuff. 
And I thought I believed in, or I was like, well, why am I, why don't I have a girlfriend? Why, why am I not out just having sex every night and stuff like that as a young teen and, and doing all that stuff when I'm, oh, I'm not going clubbing. And I remember this being a real dilemma because part of me said, well, it's because that's what I believe. But then another part of me was like, but do I, like, if I didn't have my parents and I was out on my own, would I still do that? And even good things like in my belief in God and, and like working hard and all that stuff, I was, I couldn't see if it was really my belief or if I was just believing it because dad said so, or because somebody in the church said so. And so I was just so driven to wanting to go out and, and make it mine so that I could say, no, this is not my parents' belief. This is mine. And around that time, I ended up taking a night shift job. And this was like my first major getting out of the day-to-day -day doing construction with my dad and my brothers because he had a construction company. We all, as a big family, would like just work on the same job, get it done, go to the next thing. So um, this was my first major leaving construction, now going out and doing this night shift at this job. And it's a really weird thing, and I haven't talked about this much on, on podcasts. I don't think I've ever talked about it. Um, but that night shift, even though I didn't do anything crazy, never went and partied or did drugs or anything, for the first time in my life, I could start owning my own self, my own beliefs, because I did not have anybody over my shoulder. If I want, like my parents were in, were in bed, like normally we, I was always being seen or checked up on and stuff like that. And so for, for the first time, and I remember having a conversation with my mom, my birth mom, because they were so kind of protective and always checking up that, that she got nervous with this job. And I remember get, like kind of like finally realizing I had the power and I went up and I was like, mom, listen, I could be having sex all night and you, and you with different people and you would never know it. And she was like, yeah, I know. That's what I'm afraid of. Like that the devil or something could be influencing you in the night. And I was like, listen, that's the beautiful thing. I'm at this point 19 years old now, mom. And so you just have to let, like feel like that whatever you've taught me to this point, I'm going to figure it out. So it's what I want. Like if, like if I was going to go after something like it's because that was my belief system around it. You just have to trust me enough that if I'm really a good kid, you've done your your best that you can do as a as a parent teaching me and I'm going to go do my thing. And so even though all I did was work on that night shift um, in this warehouse by myself because it was a machine shop job and it was typically by myself and all I did was work, it was for the first time that I could say I'm doing what I'm doing because Calvin said so. And I'm not feeling pressured by anybody else because I could do anything right now, get away with anything for my parents and they would never know. And that's really what made me start stepping more into my power. Incredible moment. Certainly you, you pushed through any sense of fear to get to that point, but I know that it keeps rearing its ugly head. So what is that next level of fear? Cause I know that there was a, a long chunk of it in your life that kept you down. Yeah. And what's crazy is around this time, there was so much fear that was invisible. Like that's pretty, that's, 
the crazy, this is what's really, really fun for me. I'm 30 right now. But during this time, a couple years before that moment, I started journaling. I started journaling when I was 17, right after I finished my high school stuff. I have been journaling almost every single day since then, um, just on my computer. And so it is insane. It's insanely cool to, to kind of step back, or for me as like my 30-year-old self going reading my journal entries back then. And you're right, there was a lot of fear, and a lot of fear that I didn't even know was fear. Fear of like the social pressure being in my environment that I was in. But during this time where I was 19, I, I wanted to continue and do my own thing. And so I did something that I guess was kind of ballsy or weird or crazy. Like some people in my family would, would say, oh, that's totally Calvin because he was always going to do something different than everybody else. But I decided I was going to college. And uh, I still went through the right paths to do that. Like I went to my dad and was like, can I go to college? And he was like, go talk to your grandfather. I was like, I'm thinking of going to college. He was like, what does your dad think? And I was like, he's okay with it if you are. I was like, yeah, it's probably a good idea if we have some people in the family that don't just do construction. What are you thinking about going into going to college for? And I was like, business. And he was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So I went off to college. And it, they were kind of like crossing their fingers that I wasn't going to go off the deep end and like, <laughs> I guess, leave the religion, which I now have. Um, but that was like – another major fear mark and that's real where it really where i really started like open up like holy cow this world is a lot bigger than i thought whether it was invisible fear or very well i'm aware of that effing fear um what did you do or say act or believe to move through that what i did is the only th way I can really explain it is I, th I think I was thinking in a holistic sense and not an isolated sense. And what I mean by that is my whole life, the, like my, the, my whole life in my whole years. And when I was trying to decide on something and I was wondering, well, whether it's right or wrong, whether I'm following, whether I'm going to go to hell if I do this or don't do this or whether I'm going to follow like a path of what feels right, I would always think of like holistically at the end of my life what I would regret or not. And if there was ever anything that I had a hint of regret that I would just, well, I don't know what would have happened, but I didn't do it because I was afraid of, of what would happen. I was like, okay, that's a clue that I need to move in this direction. Like everything, like if I was like, I think I want to go to college, but I'm afraid. And what if that makes me leave the work, as we called it, or the church? Uh, what if I get filled up with all these worldly ideas? What if, I, what if I'm going to be damned? What if I'm going to go to hell because I left? Like all that real fear was there when I was making my decisions. But then I was like thinking of myself as my 80-year-old in my rocking chair looking back, and I didn't take the action. And just left a lived a comfortable life. And if my eight-year-old self ever wondered, oh, I wonder what would have happened if I would have just done that. And realized the only reason I didn't was because of fear. That was like, okay, lean in. This is where we're going. Is money important? I think so. 
okay. a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you, you, I guess you kind of need it to move on. Like, it can't be the end-all, be-all. Like, I don't know. Do you know I have a, a, a YouTube show called Making the Millionaire? Absolutely. This is a fun uh, conversation that I just had yesterday with a friend that he was asking me, what's one of the things that you've learned with going – I'm 100 episodes in. What's interesting is is the shift of, yes, it's important. Like, the whole show is going to document me going from – no business to making my first 1 million. Um, but I've had to make an interesting shift that it's not, if you just focus on the money in a weird way, at least for me, it's like it's pushing away and it's not even coming. And I have to shift to what is more important than that. Like wanting to give to people, wanting to provide value to people. And by focusing, focus, focusing on that, then the results come as a byproduct. And I touch on that a little bit in fish out of water too, but it's important in making like, and it's been good in terms of like me getting up and wanting to go make a goal. But at the same time, it's not the front end target. It's almost like set the, the result and the goal, but then burn it and let's talk, focus on the stuff that's going to get you there. How, how are you today spiritual and or religious? Such a good question. So as of this recording, when this goes out, this will be like July. Right. Um, and July 2018, I didn't I announced that I left my religion uh, just January 2018 this year. So this is fairly new. So went to college and it's been a decade. I got married when I was 24. And so over the last six years, uh, talk about leaving your bubble. I, I continue to leave my bubble to where like three years ago when I quit my day job, I moved to California. Uh, went on a whole journey there, still unraveling. And last year was a pretty big spiritual journey uh, of unraveling and seeing what I want, what I believe in. And throughout the last year, I've done a lot of wrestling. At, at first, like how I mentioned to you, I wanted it to make it my own. I did a lot of deep, for the past several years, deep-seated stuff trying to make it my own. And so I did a lot of reading, a lot of studying. But then... It went one layer deeper to like – I was like – I couldn't make it my own in the sense that I was – it was like I was trying to convince myself of something just for the sake of convincing myself of something. And I had to take a step back and was like, okay, if I want truth, like my truth, what feels really true for me, what are those things? And I had a really tough conversation with myself at the end of last year and was like, holy shit, it's not this. Like – Instead of it just being my own thing that I can own it, it's not this. And so where I'm at right now, in full transparency and everything, like I have a, a little bit of a footing um, because it was like September last year when I made the decision myself personally. It was Thanksgiving when I told my dad, and it was January when I told everyone. And that was a pretty big time. And so it's been fairly short, but I've had some processing in there. But – in some way, so I have some footing, but there's still some processing to do. Like there's still some stuff that I'm curious about spiritually and stuff like that. Right now, I would say I'm deaf. I'm I'm more spiritual than I've ever I've ever been. Like that's what's ironic. Like very literal. I'm very I'm more spiritual than I've ever been. Uh, m instead of like feeling like the answers are in a book or in the priesthood council. 
that that is that's what the leadership's called in my fundamentalist Mormon church or in my dad. What it really feels like in this for people that are that might ever hear this that's in my religion, it's gonna sound so egotistical. But the answers feel like that they're coming through me now. Like that's where I'm finding them. It's more a spiritual journey of like pulling back layers and flushing stuff out and like getting more clear with my own intuition. And again, in transparency, sometimes it's been freaking hard. There's, there's some tough days where you go on walks and like WTF because I'm still in a transition of trying to find where I belong, if that makes sense. Like I'm like, it's so funny because this, there's the whole entrepreneur conversation in business, but then there's this whole life, like, spiritual religious conversation and I'm still kind of finding that yeah I have a lot of friends peppered out but the cool thing about what I grew up in is it was very tight-knit community family belongingness I don't have that and I don't know where that exactly is yet whether it's a group of entrepreneurs or whether it's a group of other creatives somewhere else um, I'm open to the possibility that maybe I join a church someday I don't know but at this point I believe way more in spirituality and, and people having their own experiences and coming to truth on their own experiences and not just taking it because somebody else had a spiritual experience and then they created a religion out of it. So still very, very much on this journey and in so many ways, uh, especially since the end of last year, in so many ways, it's the beginning of another one. It's the beginning of a whole other journey, like really stepping out and saying, okay, Time to chart my own path. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I do. Um, sometimes it's really fucking hard to see why <laughs> it happened. Um, but man, there have been times that <coughs> really bizarre experiences that I've had that have kind of shown me that where I've heard other people tell stories and you can be like, oh, that's a coincidence and that's just weird. But then when, I, when I've experienced it, you just take a step back and you're like, how the F did that happen in the way that it did? Like there's so many things that had to line up to make that happen or just little things that make me feel like the universe is watching or God is watching and that I'm not alone, you know? So I do think things happen for a reason. What happens when it's all over? I don't know. And that's the, that's the thing that I've been okay with, that I've, that, I've, that I've learned to be okay with. And I think you need it in entrepreneurship and things like that, but you need it in growth if you're wanting to learn. Because conclusions kind of close the book. Conclusions kind of mean like there's nothing more to learn here. And in my religion, it was filled with conclusions. It was filled with, we know exactly what happened before we came here. We know exactly why we're here. To the letter, we know exactly how to live. We know exactly what the right thing to do is throughout this life, and we know exactly what's going to happen when we die. And I don't think anybody can say that at this point, that they know exactly what's there. Um, so... There's a lot of things that I've come to where I'm like, I don't know the answer to this yet. And instead of like going totally crazy with it, um, since I believe, like to, to go to, to back to your first question, since I believe that things happen for a reason and that the universe or God, whatever you want to label it as, is there to help you, I've become really okay with not knowing in a lot of ways because I'm a dad. 
now. I have two kids. And I know that I want more for my four-year-old son and my one-year-old baby girl than they can even comprehend. They don't even know like how much I love them and what I want for them. Like the vision I have for them, way bigger than they could comprehend, right? I have to believe that if there's a God in the universe and things like that, which I believe in, that that same principle must hold true and even bigger than I could ever comprehend. Like if God's my father, he must want for me more than I could ever want. Like if I want to be a millionaire and things like that, like that's just the scratch of the surface for what he wants for me. And so in that, I become okay with not knowing yet, but like trusting to take a step in the dark because there's something on the other side that I can't even see yet that's just coming and is there. And I've experienced it in some ways. Um, and that's what gives me the confidence to keep uh, taking steps, even when it's kind of dark in the direction I'm going. I started the show saying that, my goodness, you have such a, a wonderful list of credits and achievements that are just exciting to watch and follow. Through all that today, what one mantra do you live by? <clears throat> it's a tough question for me because I don't have one particular one. Um, and I probably sh it'd be probably useful for me to have one right now just to kind of anchor me. But because one of the things I do is I, I one thing that keeps me anchored is getting up at four thirty in the morning, meditating. I do a lot of writing, and I have several that I several that are things that. I grab a hold of and let them guide me. Like several of them I talked in my book, like for progress, like become a member of the CIA, consistent imperfect action and things of that nature. But I want to give you something here because some, like I read something recently that I can't remember. Have you ever heard of the book, love yourself like your life depends on it? There's another, there's a guy wrote, that the guy, the author of that book, wrote another book. I can't remember the title of it, but it's something along the lines of uh, "Following Your Truth." But there's something that he said in that book that could become my mantra because it hit me like a bolt of lightning. And it was along the lines of, "If when you go all in on something, that's where you find the answers, and the answers live in you. So when you go all in on something, that's when you find the answers." And the answers live in you. So imagine that because imagine like how many questions we have on stuff. And like usually we're like, at least for me, sometimes when I'm figuring stuff out, I'm either on the sidelines or something. But if I look at my journey, like even my entrepreneurship journey, that rings so true. Because even as scary as it was for me to leave my day job and go all into entrepreneurship, that's where I really find found the fucking answers. I could have like studied Gary Vaynerchuk all day or read all these entrepreneurially entrepreneurial books. But when I, and I could have even tried to have a side hustle, but for me, when I went all in and like just went after it, that's where the answers really, really came. So that was like a, a like a bolt of lightning, a good reminder. Um, when you go all in, that's when you find the answers and the answers live in you. Man, that yeah, that resonates with me. Literally, you said that. I felt it. It's chilling. It, it, it really 
literally resonates. I love it. Final question. First of all, you are clearly someone, you're, you're so, what I love, I, I, I'm sure you've heard this, you are, you're so honest, so genuine, so integral, absolutely refreshing. So thank you for doing that and bringing all of that to the table. So you're wonderful. <clears throat> I will leave you with this final question. Calvin Wayman, how would you, sir, like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as the example that any individual can literally create the life that they want. However that looks, whether that's in a book or like however that's remembered, I want people to be like, that is the proof. That is the proof that this fire that I have to go after something, I can actually do it. It's why I have my show, Millionaire Case Study. Um, it's why I do anything. I want people to have that belief because I believe everybody has something to offer to the world. And I think far too often the very best books aren't on Amazon. The very best products aren't in the stores. I think too many of them are still in, are in the graveyard because they died with people. And I want to be remembered as the example. And that's why I highlight, look, this regular dude did it. You don't have to be this born special endowed person. And probably why I should probably talk more of my upbringing because for some people that might be pretty bizarre. And if a regular dude can come up from that and create the life that he set intention to, holy shit, this voice that I have that says to do something, I better do it. And not only that, I know I can do it because I just saw it happen. That's no. Nuff said, apostrophe N-U-F-F, Nuff said, my man, thank you for being you. If anybody wants to jump through the screen and give you a virtual hug or high five, how in the world could they do it? Uh, the best place to get a hold of me is probably Facebook, Instagram, or my email. So I can be found pretty easily. Calvin Wayman, Wayman is W-A-Y-M-A-N, like that's the way man. So Facebook, Instagram, I'll reach back. Uh, and my email is just CalvinWayman at Gmail. Love it. Love you for being you and doing you. Thank you for spending your time. Good, sir. Thank you, everybody else, for listening, spending your time. It means everything. As always, do the good work. Go get them. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, brother. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>